At some time, the whole valley became taboo. There was something that was scary, but they never revealed it. I'm Ezra David Romero. And I'm Carrie Klein. This is Outdoorsy, a new podcast from Valley Public Radio. We take you to wild places in Central California and introduce you to the people who explore them. This is our first podcast in this series, and we're excited to share some of our favorite places and outdoor activities. We both consider ourselves pretty outdoorsy, but we're coming at this from two different perspectives. Yeah, I've explored the Sierra Nevada my whole life. I grew up near Fresno. My love for the Sierra Nevada started when I was a kid. My brother and my dad went camping a lot and fishing. Since then, I've camped, hiked, kayaked, and a few survival training camps, and a bunch of nature scavenger hunts. I'm a backpacker and camper too, plus I like rock climbing and bicycling, but I'm new to this area. I grew up exploring the White Mountains in New Hampshire. The Sierra Nevada is totally different. I've been looking for places to go, and Ezra, you and I have both found that a lot of people here don't know about much beyond Yosemite Valley and giant sequoias. Yeah, and many people don't even go to these places, and we're so close to them. So we decided to make a podcast about the outdoors and the people who love it. We'll throw in some tips and pointers along the way, like what gear to bring. The first place we're focusing on is the valley you heard about in the teaser, and it's a secluded spot called Mineral King. It's in Sequoia National Park. That's where the famous big trees are, but it's quite a ways south. The only way to get there is to take the 99 to Visalia and head east on Route 198, this two-lane highway that slowly climbs into the mountains. After this tiny town called Three Rivers, you take a turnoff onto a long, windy mountain road that's only open between Memorial Day and October when there's no snow on the ground. It's really long, like 30 miles. But don't be scared, it's actually quite fun. From Fresno, the whole trip takes about two and a half hours. And you are totally rewarded for that long drive. Mineral King is this stunning valley at about 10,000 feet that was carved by glaciers. Picture flower-filled meadows, steep granite hillsides leading up to jagged peaks like Sawtooth, and cascading lakes and waterfalls. Below all that, the Cahuilla River cuts through the valley. This area has attracted prospectors, Native Americans, and even Disney. Today, there's a lot to do at Mineral King. I went day hiking and car camping. And I went backpacking. In this show, we'll talk about our trips, go through some history, and talk to an expert on how to buy a backpack. On my trip, I met with a local historian named Louise Jackson. We chatted in front of her cabin right next to the river. My great-great-grandfather built a road up here. Our family considers ourselves very much a part of Mineral King. Her family built a cabin in one of Mineral King's most picturesque meadows. She says Mineral King is like a secret place in the Sierra Nevada. It is such a microcosm of everything geologically that the entire southern Sierra Nevada encompasses. From our right over here, Vandiver Mountain, there is an undersea volcano. It has mountains all around. You'll see a lot of color which excited the miners who came in. In the 1870s, Mineral King wasn't part of Sequoia National Park. Prospectors came here to mine gold and silver. They didn't pan out. But what did was a mineral called galena that contains lead. Jackson says there's a lot of mystery in Mineral King. Native Americans used the area as a trading trail about 3,000 years ago. At some time, the whole valley became taboo. The ancestors of the native people never passed it on what, the, what it was exactly that said that the people should no longer come in here. And so when the first miners came in and the road was going to be built, 
uh, the fellow who was had the franchise to build the road could not get the local Indians during a really difficult drought and recession time to come up here and work the road even though they were hungry because there was something that was scary but they didn't never revealed it. In the 1940s, skiing was very popular in America. The Forest Service opened Mineral King to the idea of being developed for skiing. Even though it's remote, it got the attention of some really high-profile people, like a Hollywood producer and an actress. Beautiful, except a certain group of people who had the Disney Corporation had been thinking of the same thing. They did not ask the Forest Service to open it up yet. But just on the sly, they began gathering property here. Disney began taking the area over cabin by cabin. And that didn't make everyone happy. You know, they didn't want this area to become a European-style resort. That's when the Sierra Club took the U.S. government to court to try and protect the land from development. The case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. I found some archival audio from that case. The Sierra Club brought this proceeding against the Secretaries of Agriculture and Interior. This is Leland Selman Jr. He argued on behalf of the Sierra Club. A huge private recreational development at Mineral King and for a state highway across Sequoia National Park to reach that development were illegal. The Sierra Club lost the case, so Disney could have built here, but... Roy Disney, who ran the finances of the Disney Corporation, never did want to be here. And Walt, who was the big skier, wanted it. Walt Disney died, and that took care of that as far as Roy was concerned. They put all of their money into Disney World. So you're saying that if Walt hadn't died, we could have had this immense Disney ski chalet up in this part of the Sierra? Yeah, exactly. Like Disneyland in the woods, Mickey Mouse everywhere. Oh, my God. Well, the lawsuit did do something good, Carrie. Jackson explains. The dissenting opinion probably set up the most succinct background and defining purpose of the environmental movement, but as to why the land is a proper litigant. The land could speak for itself. Justice William Douglas wrote that famous dissent. The full text of that paper is on our website. Mineral King became part of Sequoia National Park in 1978. Next day, my friends and I went on a hike to a place called Franklin Lake. It's a 13-mile round-trip hike. We were really tired, so we went back to our campsite at Atwell Mill Campground. We had dinner, a few beers, and we went to sleep. That sounds like a perfect Mineral King day. It really was. It was awesome. So when I went to Mineral King, I went backpacking. And the first difference between backpacking and day hiking in Mineral King is that to be out in the wilderness overnight, you need to get a permit in person. And the ranger station closes at 4 p.m. sharp. Okay, made it. We got there just before it closed, and a smiley ranger named Alicia helped us out. All right, could I have one of you fill out your name and address here, please? And sure. I can fill the rest. She gave us her ranger spiel. So make sure you take all your trash out with you. That includes toilet paper. Don't walk off the trails and trample plant life. Put all of your food and smelly stuff in a bear canister. But then she told us something I had never heard before, Ezra, which was that we should wrap up our car. 
Just lay the tarp down, drive over it, and then if you have cord mm -hmm. or bungees, wrap it around. Basically, you want to make sure that the wheel wells are covered and the whole bottom half of the car or else they'll still be able to get in. Oh, okay. What's she talking about? What's going to get into these cars? She's talking about marmots, these fat rodents that look kind of like a mix between squirrels and groundhogs. They're notorious among hikers for sneaking into camps and stealing food, and apparently also sneaking into cars if they're parked there long enough and gnawing through spark plugs and other wiring. So the parking lot is full of these cars and trucks that basically look like they're in diapers. But Alicia points out this kind of damage is actually really rare. Plus, tarps are cheap and wrapping your car is really easy. So after that, we hiked a mile to Groundhog Meadow. We pitched our tent next to a waterfall. We had the place completely to ourselves. It was so peaceful. The next morning, we made some tea and oatmeal and then trekked up about three miles to Monarch Lakes. Around a dozen people were there. They were picnicking, camping. Some were even having a snowball fight with this little remaining patch of snow. This was August, by the way. But we kept going. We hiked another three miles to Crystal Lake, which was gorgeous and nearly pristine. It perfectly encapsulated that Mineral King postcard of dramatic mountain peaks and colorful hillsides dotted with wildflowers and bright blue lakes. It was amazing, except... That was a challenging hike. Yes. Yeah. I had no idea it was going to be that tough. We didn't either. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to take another step up. So the difference between my hike and your backpacking trip is like you had to bring a lot of stuff. I didn't have to. I just brought some food, some first aid, and some water. Right. We basically packed everything we'd need for three days. So I figured I'd take a few minutes now to talk about one of the essentials there, which is the backpack itself, like how to shop for one and how to make sure it fits. So I found an expert, a self-taught wilderness enthusiast. Ezra, I want you to meet Elizabeth Freilix, a woman with nine different backpacks. The quest for the perfect backpack is ongoing. <laughs> this is the one I took to the Grand Canyon. Freelux actually has an entire room dedicated to outdoor gear, including a map on the wall of where she's been. We day hike almost almost every weekend. And then in the summer, we backpack. I probably, let's see, this summer I probably did 100 miles backpacking. Her first big hike was Half Dome. It's a pretty tough day hike in Yosemite that involves a somewhat treacherous cable ladder. I made an attempt with all of my sisters on my 50th birthday. We didn't know very much about it, and the cables weren't up. <laughs> so we got to the subdome, and, and then we had to come back. But it was enough of a taste. The preparation for that was what really got me hooked. But early on in day hiking, she really caught the backpacking bug. You know, when you go day hiking, you, you have all these lovely days, and you see all of these beautiful things, and you keep passing people that get to spend the night. And so I, that was what really got me interested is like, oh my gosh, all these other people are going on and they're going to get to stay and I've got to come back and drive home. And I wonder what it would be like to do that over multiple days. Within no time, she had signed up for an 83-mile, nine-day trip across the Sierra to Mount Whitney. This all after her 50th birthday. She sounds like a badass. She is so badass. I am somebody who came late to backpacking but have developed a passion for it that kind of make up for lost time. <laughs> So, naturally, when she first started backpacking, she didn't know a lot about what gear to buy. The first backpack I bought, I made quite a few mistakes because I went all for comfort without thinking about the amount of weight I was going to have to carry, so I bought a really heavy backpack. It weighed six pounds. I had no scale in my head of what that meant. That weight adds up when you consider that you're not just carrying clothes and water, but also bulky things like a tent, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, and maybe a bear canister. So aside from weight, 
bags that size are also measured in liters. My day pack, my old faithful, is about, I think it's a 25 liter. And then my multi-day pack is 60 and opens up to 65 liters. I think a lot of people get by with a lot less. They can carry a bear canister in a 50 liter, depending on uh, how much you want to carry on the outside of the pack. And Freilich says it's important to make sure it fits. My first clue is if it's dragging on my shoulders. If it's pulling on my shoulders, I've got something that's not adjusted correctly. I mean, it really is worth the time to go in and get fitted and to buy the right size to begin with. So what about men's versus women's packs? Is there a difference there? You know, I, I've been using a men's pack right now, a small men's pack, and I have noticed that women's straps are cut in at a curve, and I could feel the men's pack rubbing my shoulders. So if there's a difference, that might be it. Other than that, I've read that they may have more padding in, on the hips. I read about women that have problems with blistering across their hips. Really, Freilich says, there are no rules. You just have to figure out what's right for you. I think that if you're going to start, you should try to borrow and get on blogs and talk to friends and find out as much as you can that way before you go out and invest a bunch of money. You know, don't be embarrassed. Most backpackers are just like thrilled to share their hobby with you. (laughs) And if they have extra stuff, they'll loan it to you. So, and then I would say, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Because you're, if you really get into backpacking in two years, you're not going to have the same stuff you started with. <laughs> I guarantee it. So, just get out there and do it. But even if backpacking doesn't really seem like your jam, there's probably still something for you at Mineral King. Yeah, like pie. There's this place called Silver City Resort, where you can rent a cabin. But they also have this restaurant where you can get a burger and. Pie. We have chocolate walnut, apple streusel, peach, fruit of the forest, razzle dazzle. I got peach. I ordered razzle dazzle. And you know, it makes this long, windy drive back to reality better. Totally. And that's today's show. Our editor is Joe Moore, and we had engineering help by Don Weaver. Our music is by Kevin McLeod and Ben Sound. Stay tuned for future shows when we visit other wild places and interview the people who visit them. I'm Ezra David Romero. And I'm Carrie Klein. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>